When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth. The fountain of truth about aging. Now, you know a couple of things about what I mean when I say aging. Aging starts from about age 30. And that I mean biologic aging. But chronologic aging starts just from birth. And so we very frequently have a guest that is dealing with children. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One is I believe in the trickle-down effect. Older adults being examples for their kids. And those kids may not be so young. I already have a 40-year-old. And yet I can be an example in my 70s to somebody who is 40 years old and looking to their longer future than even I expect. You know, we have geroscientists on this show that tell us that today, many, many people, young people, will easily live to 100, and some even 150. But the roots, what happens at the beginning of your life in school is so important. The other reason that I talk about kids is that we have an effect as grandparents on what happens with regard to children. So we're in a very precarious position right now. We're just out of COVID. In many locations, we are still deeply in the COVID issue. Kids are going back to school. Some of them have not been in school for as much as 18 months. So we have with us Dr. Terrell Sell. She's a psychotherapist. She's a brain health expert. She provides tips on how parents and now grandparents can help children and grandkids transition back into school mode. And school mode might be something very different today than it was a while ago. Uh, and she has some hints and tips that I think are going to be essential to you. And you're probably struggling with this or helping somebody else struggle with it. It is certainly one of the things around the water cooler. What are we going to do with the kids going back? So thank you, Dr. Terrellin. Uh, you call yourself drterrellin.com. I will do that instead of calling you Dr. Sell. And uh, let, let, let's talk about this for a minute. How did it happen that of everything in the world of child of psychotherapy, you thought that this issue might be so important right now? You know, it's very interesting as you were uh, doing the intro here. I'm like, yep, I'm a mom to older children. Yep, my grandbaby is upstairs taking a nap right now. Yep, I think you're talking my language at this point. And and I, I used to own daycare centers too. So as far as the early childhood development um, combined with therapy, it's always been on my mind to, you know, do something different for our kids. And if you don't mind me talking about this, I, I really do feel that we are a quick fix society and we're very much um, in tune to going to get medications first when we think things are going wrong, right? Because yes. out, of, out of pure desperation, I think. Um, and really that my kids um, are like 11 years apart from top to bottom, okay? So I've got three, they're spanned 11 years. I saw that change from my oldest down to my youngest, as far as in the school system goes. My oldest, that ADHD and medication wasn't really a thing. By the time my youngest one came through school, it was on the top of everyone's mind. Um, and medication was also becoming very prominent. So I thought to myself, we have got to do different 
And when we live in these fast moving societies with uh, all the things that we do, I'm, I'm a Gen, Gen X mom here. So I was taught that we can do all things and then some, right? right. But that, ca- that came at a huge price. And it came at the price of when we realized that maybe we couldn't do everything for all people and now enter medications. I'm in one of the biggest age group for women to be um, prescribed antidepressants. So that's alarming to me that we're, we're solving things that way instead of actually looking at what is really going on and how we can help promote wellness in our homes. So, you know, I certainly don't mind talking about this. And let's take a couple of minutes uh, to digress a bit. Uh, first of all, I'm a leading age baby boomer. That means I'm one of the oldest of the baby boomers. And I can tell you that there was no medication. I pretty much know right. I would have been on medication. I know somebody would have popped a pill for me when I was a kid. No doubt about it. Uh, all they did was said I was addle-brained, which was that day saying that I had attention deficit disorder. <laughs> But all they told me, to, yeah, and what was the remedy? I should go and reorganize my locker. Oh, yeah, times. right. And that was <laughs> I mean, I did it. So anyway, I, and I, there's a fellow who's a relative of mine. He's 50 years old now, a pretty famous magician named Ron Joe. When he was a little boy, which would have been 40 years ago, if anybody had a pain, he would say, take a pill. Because that's what he heard already in his family, a younger generation family than mine. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, and we can't even have time to talk about how older adults get shut up with a pill. Oh, uh, because, sure. yeah, because yeah. we're supposed to know that everything that's wrong with us should be wrong with us. So if we have a pain, we ought to take a painkiller, not go do exercise. I am so on Correct. this wavelength. Yeah. I'm ho- <laughs> and I'm hoping, I'm hoping, you know, that we, we turn it around. And I think that people like you speaking out about this. Now, it does start when you're younger. And I certainly see that. So are are we also saying to make this bridge that because there is anxiety around going back to school and it's natural, I think it would be ridiculous if kids didn't have anxiety over this. I did. Do you remember the day before school started? I, I had this anxious, but like excited feeling and it feels exactly the same anxiety and excitement you know, feel like a stomach that's flipping or a sweaty palm or, you know, but we have pathologized normal experiences. Oh, you must be, you must have anxiety. I'm like, or you're excited, you know, and a little anxious and that's okay. We're meant to be that way, right? We're meant to be that way. It's when it gets to a certain extreme that it becomes a problem. So let me ask this question. Now that Mm -hmm. we're going to see this all over the place, do you think more children are going to be given medication because of it? Because there's going to be a word put to it. Like I could just see it, COVID school syndrome. And oh, we yeah. take, yeah. <laughs> and we, and we, is that, I mean, is this in our horizon? Because as parents and grandparents, we could stop that. We could make sure that that doesn't happen. Is it a possibility? Well, I have, I think it might actually be a possibility. Um, I think we have pathologized language, like every everything is now a clinical disorder, when I don't think that it is. And when we do that, when we use words like depression instead of sad or down or anxious or anxiety instead of anxious or maybe a little stressed and worried, you know, we, we have given clinical language to younger children. 
um, at an earlier time frame. And this is okay. I mean, we're talking about mental health, which is a good conversation. But I think the pendulum is swinging really far right now to everything is a pathology or a clinical issue and can be solved by medication. Like, but that's not true. So what I'm going to do now, because we have a couple of minutes to this segment, and then we will really get take a deep dive into some of the tips and hints that I want our folks to know and that you've set out so well. And do take a look at Dr. Terrellin, which is dot com for more of this. Uh, I have been a volunteer at a place called Good Grief. Now, Good Grief is children, all children. They only go up to about 13, and then there's a separate group for teens who've lost their parents early in life, and I did. And uh, that's the whole point of this, is not to point this with the brush of depression. If you're not mm-hmm. sad because your mother died and you're six, there was definitely something wrong. <laughs> that, you, should, you, know, you should be, right? So, I, I would think that that would yeah, be a, a, I think a typical so. reaction. Yes, exactly. So, mm-hmm. And now let's make it a little lighter. If you are nervous about going back to school after a year, and by the way, a huge number, I don't have the statistic, people have moved during COVID. And mm-hmm. so the kids are going into a completely new school to add to all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can we do so that they don't get targeted and fingered as an anxious kid to keep the pressure off them? And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back. Because if you don't get into the loop of a diagnosis or a medication in the first place, then you're probably better off. So let's discuss that. Don't you guys go anywhere. It's your responsibility as parents and grandparents. Don't throw it on the schools right now, but you consider this a method of protecting your children from going down a particular rabbit hole. Don't you go anywhere. Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth, the Fountain of Truth about aging. One little piece of housekeeping because I so much want to get back to Dr. Terrellin Sell, psychotherapist, brain health expert, uh, really focusing on uh, children and looking and seeing what we can do as parents and grandparents to reduce the stress of going back into school and getting into school mode. But I do want you to know that we're having our major conferences coming up. We already have 600 attendees. It is always free, particularly to my folks. Uh, we get extra hints and tips with regard to living longer and healthier. The technical word for that is health span. As you know, I am the executive director of the Catalyst Institute, which is a nonprofit, to increase healthy longevity for everyone. We have a four-day conference, October 11th through the 14th. This year, it is still virtual, which means you can tune in from anywhere. And all you do is go to the name of this funny conference name, but it's called Metabesity, M-E-T-A-B-E-S-I-T-Y, 2021.com, or just go to the Institute Catalys, K-I-T-A-L-Y-S dot com, and please register free of charge. But the easiest way is 
M-E-T-A-B-E-S-I-T-Y, 2021.com. You all know me, Adrian Berg. You can also go to adrianberg.com and we will have the registration. We're going to put that up today. So that's October 11th through 14th. You do not have to be there all four days, but you might want to because it's really a convocation of top geroscientists, policymakers, uh, and even investors in the field of healthy longevity. All right. So longevity starts uh, when you're young. I will tell you, Dr. Terrell, and one of our speakers is Dan Belsky, who does work with the National Institute on Aging on the social determinants of how long we will live. And one of those social determinants is, and this is biologic and epigenetic, uh, how anxious we were in school. Amazing. But yes, it starts there. So let's let's get to that. We know as parents and grandparents that the kids, as you said before, will go back to school anxious no matter what, and now it's COVID. And one of your tips is don't be a hypocrite. Now, you wouldn't think that as a tip if somebody had to make it up. Tell us what you mean about that. Sure. You're the adult and you set the example for your kids, right? And we know this, but I I also know as a mom, I always wanted something better and different for my kids than I was willing to do for myself. I, I It's like throwing yourself on the sword for somebody else. Um, if you expect your kids to go to bed on time, have good sleep hygiene, eat differently, um, you better be doing the same thing. If you expect them to put their electronics down at a certain time, set the example for them. From the time our kids are born, we are like the emotional barometers of the household. And we set that stage and that example for mood, emotions, and good habits. So instead of arguing about why you can do it differently because you're the mom or you're the parent, do it with them. You know, one of the things that grandparents, I believe, are beginning to realize is their similar impact. On You said before that you have a grandchild sleeping upstairs, right? In yes. your in your own home, so you have an enormous an enormous impact. Uh, for about a year of my grandchild's life, she's three now. I lived in New York, and she lived in California. Two years out of three, but in the few times that I saw her then, and now much more frequently because we moved, I'm shocked at how much and, and scared, by the way, as to how much of an influence I have on her, uh, just because I'm the I'm the grandma. So you talk about things like putting down the phone. Uh, you talk about things like don't eat the wrong things before bed. So children w- will will listen. And I think that we have to ask ourselves, what are some of the things we can do personally and for our children? And I would like to go through that list. You have about five not that hard things to do. Now, for example, let's start with, with sleep. It's the kids' sleep that I'd like you to talk about. But then again, as you say, don't be a hypocrite. What if you're up all night munching on, you know, a potato chip, you know, or on social media or on social media scrolling before you go to bed? You know, that's that's what we're doing. We're we're on our phones while we're trying to fall asleep. Um, So if you if you want to really improve your child's behavior in school and at home and your own irritability, focus on sleep. And that seems like a great theory, right? Well, I need to get better sleep, but here's what we can do. One of the first things you can do is set that consistent sleep-wake schedule 
even on the weekends. And that's tough because I know kids will resist that. Well, I don't have school tomorrow, so why can't I stay up all night playing Fortnite? You know, <laughs> because by Monday, your sleep-wake cycle is going to be very off. And that's the same thing for adults. If we don't have to set an alarm, we might stay up later watching something and sleep in if we can. And by Monday, you're having trouble falling asleep on Sunday night because you you don't need to go to sleep that early. Um, maintaining adequate sleep helps with alertness and the ability to retain information for your kids. There's, a, there's actually some research coming out that a lot of kiddos with ADHD actually have sleep-related issues. And when you were talking about um, the guy that's going to be on about uh, longevity, yes, yep. exactly. I was thinking, you know, when we start throwing psychiatric medications, especially hypnotics and sleep aids, hypnotics right. and sleep aids actually cause you to have death sooner. Who wants that? Um, especially if we're giving it to a small child off label because hypnotics are not even on label for children, but they're prescribed all the time because we're doing stimulants in the daytime and a hypnotic to fall asleep. That is not restful sleep. And it, and it actually does more harm to the brain than good overall. So a couple of things here. First, uh, my pitch again, this Metabesity conference is, is very wide-reaching, and one of them is what should be regulated and one shouldn't. We have a tremendous amount of things that probably should not be regulated that are, and many things that are not regulated that aren't. So that is one thing that we can take a, a look at when we look at sleep and anyone who's suggesting that you or your kids take a pill for sleep. So that's really an important one. And I uh, do know that you can teach kids meditation, and there are even online things that teach kids how to breathe and, and meditate, or simply, I used to fall asleep because somebody read me a story. Remember exactly. the old bedtime story and the music, and it really, really works. Now, uh, again, tip two, which I think is maybe the toughest, believe it or not, in this country, yeah. and that is the no sweets before bedtime. That is very difficult. But let's discuss it for a moment. Tell me sure. what, what 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 we should be doing if the kid says, I'm hungry. Sure. So sweets aren't filling anyway. I think it's more of a habit to have ice cream before bed or something sweet, a sweet treat. Like, let's have a snack before bed. You get pudding and ice cream and, and all those things before bed. What that does is it actually sets you up for a terrible night's sleep. And this is not just children, this is adults too, so pay sure. attention. Yeah, so it's it's reactive hypoglycemia. It's the rise and sharp fall of blood sugar. When your blood sugar dips down, adrenaline will kick in and it'll wake you up at one or two in the morning or make it so that you are so hopped up that you're not gonna fall asleep in the first place or what I call that kind of low level of sleep all night where you're kind of sleeping but you feel like you're awake. Um, that's what sugar can do before bed. Also, for parents, alcohol does a very similar thing. Plus, alcohol impacts every sleep phase negatively. So you might fall asleep, but you're definitely not improving your sleep quality. Um, instead, opt for a high-protein snack before bed to keep that blood sugar stable. And you can even do fruit with protein. So fruit with some nut butter or fruit with some cheese, that type of thing, just to stabilize that blood sugar and you're going to sleep all night. And you know, one of the things that I do want to say, I have to put my, my aging two cents in. Uh, you'll read all over the place that older adults need less sleep. That is baloney. Older is adults, baloney. Yeah. 
older adults get less sleep, but they don't need right. less sleep. Exactly, so, 100%. So don't think that's normal either. And the other uh, the other part of that too is we, you don't know this, Dr. Terrellin, but uh, we do talk about how to increase our health span. And intermittent fasting is one of them. And the easiest thing there is to just read Dr. Barzilli's book, Age Later, another one of our speakers at the conference. Um, and so we stop eating at around seven o'clock at night, or even if it's eight o'clock, we count 14 to 16 hours to breakfast. Now, we come back. I want to talk about breakfast and lunch because with children, you can't always do things that way because they have to go to school at a certain time. And I know that Dr. Terrellin, take a look at drterlyn.com, has a lot of thoughts on when and how to pay attention to breakfast and lunch. Don't you go anywhere. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth. The Fountain of Truth About Aging. Let me give you some more resources for your better health span. If you go to Catalys, K-I-T-A-L-Y-S dot org. I know we don't make it easy for you. K-I-T-A-L-Y-S dot org. You're going to see free webcasts, one with top doctors on COVID and what you can do so that if we ever have a pandemic again, you'll have immune strength. Another one, which has been one of our most popular, I can't believe it, it got 10,000 views, is on mitochondria. How? To, who knows what it even it means? And people are looking at it. But the fact is, it's the cells around your muscles and how to strengthen them. And one of my favorites is the Dog Aging Project with Matt Camberlin. Uh, he's got 100,000 dogs, and he's looking at how your push can live longer. So go to kitalys.org, and there's plenty of other stuff. Now, let's go back. Let's change our head a little bit from aging to being young. Your children, your grandchildren, uh, your your nieces and nephews are going back to school. There's anxiety as never before because of COVID. We have here a specialist, a, a psychotherapist, Dr. Terrellin Sell, S-E-L-L, brain health expert, uh, a campaigner, an advocate for not popping a pill every time there's a little stress in the life of your children and watching that carefully. But if you're going to have them profiled as having stress, you're going to go down a rabbit hole with them. So maybe this is the time to uh, stop that, to intervene in the stress as much as possible, because a little bit of it is normal, of school mode. One of the things that's so fundamental is breakfast and lunch. And let's let's take a look at that, and then I'll tell you a funny story, Dr. Terrellin. Uh, tell <laughs> us, what, what, it, it's not so funny, but it's important to people to hear. Breakfast and lunchtime, what can they do? What can parents and grandparents do if they're the ones in charge of that? We have to remember that a well-fueled brain helps with behavior. And when we talk about a well-fueled brain, that does start with breakfast. And I'm just an advocate of really punching up that high quality protein. If that's all you're going to do, right? So protein every three hours 
helps with behavior because it also helps stabilize that blood sugar. And when, remember, blood sugar dips down, adrenaline pumps, that's fight or flight. So your child might be more irritable or fighting. And there's a, I have a funny story around that too. When, when my son was a freshman in high school, he started playing football and he had to show up to school at like 5.30 in the morning to get his lifts in. And he would roll out of bed as late as possible, not eat a darn thing, and then show up to school, lift, and then expect himself to perform academically and behaviorally. The first week of his freshman year, I got three phone calls from the principal because he was legitimately fighting in the hallway after 10 o'clock class. And I brought him home and I said, listen, there's two things that are going to happen. Either one, you're going to learn how to make yourself a protein shake and drink that, or you're not going to go to early lifting so we can make you a breakfast. What do you want to do? And so we taught him how to make a protein shake. And now he's he's a sophomore. He plays college football now and he makes his own protein shakes every day. So we set that as kind of the rule and it became the routine and it stopped the fighting because he was not in his adrenaline brain. That's how simple it is. When you're out of gas, you're hangry, right? True, (laughs) very true. Yeah, protein also fuels your neurochemistry, your serotonin, your dopamine. Those things rely on protein sources. Dopamine is your concentration, your focus, your reward, your giddy up, your drive. And if you're eating nothing for breakfast, especially as a kid, or if you're eating like a high sugary breakfast, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you're Pop-Tarts. Get, yeah, Pop-Tarts. There, or there goes one, one company I won't get as a sponsor, but yes, <laughs> Pop-Tarts. Maybe they need to make protein Pop-Tarts or something. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, you're going to have more problems behaviorally. And I've worked with um, schools and developed IEPs and 504 behavioral plans that include protein snacks every two hours for the kiddo. And guess what? It works. Yeah. It does work. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, being a, I'm not a biohacker, believe me. I mean, Prosecco is my favorite uh, sport. Did you? Lifting a Prosecco glass is very good. It gives you a lot of muscle mass. But the thing is... I'm, I'm definitely not perfect over here, just so yeah, you know. No, not, not at all. But I, and I don't cook at all. I have uh, only supervised visitation with my stove. But <laughs> me too. I, I do make protein um, with... with uh, snacks and I make it myself yeah. with peanut butter and with flaxseed and things like that. And it's very easy. Believe me, if I could do it, anybody could do it because you don't even need an yeah. oven, put it in the freezer. Right. And it's unbelievable. Take one with an apple. I'm going to, maybe I'll put the recipe on, on adrianberg.com and Absolutely. give it to the kids. But here's mm-hmm. a story and I'm making a serious point, even though it's a funny story. So uh, I am like you, my kids are 10 years apart. Only I have only two children. Mm -hmm. So by the time my daughter was in school age six, I was 50 years old Mm -hmm. and at the peak earning years. So my husband, who is also working, Mm -hmm. made the lunch. He made the lunch for my my daughter and a brown paper bag that I never, to this day, I did not know what what she ate. I did not pay attention. That's the (laughs) truth. So about two years ago, she says, I loved my school lunch. What was it? I asked. You ready? Tuna fish sandwich or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a bag of chips, and a can of Coke. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, I was the prettiest girl at the party because I was the only one who had a can of Coke. For- can of Coke. <laughs> now, what? this is a disaster. 
you know, so she's 30 years old. I'm learning this when she's 30. And I'm thinking, this is the most nutritional disaster I've ever come across. And But she's fine. She's a boxer. She's beautiful. She, everything is great. She's getting married uh, next year. Okay. <laughs> she survived. She survived. But here yeah. is the serious point. If you are a busy parent, I was so busy, I paid no attention. My husband was busy, so he put in, he, he gave what he wished his mother had given him when right. he was in school. This is not easy. What I'm bringing out here is Dr. Terrellin is telling you this and that, all wonderful things. No sugar, um, you know, pack a nice lunch, carb loaded. It's, it's not easy. I want you to pay attention to it. I want you to honor the fact that you are busy. And this is something you separately have to pay attention to. If you don't, it won't happen. And that's just, my, I, my only yeah. point. I want to add into this point because I look at things like this, good, better, best, and some days is just good enough. And when we do that, we free ourselves up from this idea that we have to be perfect, right? Because some days are just going to be good enough. I just had a conversation with someone the other day and they said, I would really like to you know, have the time to chop up cheese and nuts and fruit, but, but I buy those balance breaks and that makes me feel really guilty. And I'm like, oh. why, you know, balance breaks are nuts and cheese. Right. And I'm like, right. right. Why does that make you feel guilty that you're, you're doing some, that that's a way better option than, you know, chips and soda. Um, it's a way better option and it's easy. And in my life, and I think in most people's lives, we need to get rid of this idea that we have to do things from scratch and it has to be difficult and, you know, time consuming. Keep it simple or you're likely to not do it again. Exactly. The balance right. break is perfection. It's perfect. You know, exactly right. You know, we, we look at one of one of our um, that I'm in charge of actually is behavioral changes that we can make to live longer. Mm -hmm. And yeah. any of them that are complicated will not happen. Correct. Any of them that you don't like will not happen. And mm -hmm. any of them that are not promoted by some really big motivation, the bigger the why, the easier the how, whether it's how, how you look. For me, I'm very vain. If I look mm -hmm. better, I'm going to do it. Do I yeah. know if my mitochondria is stronger? I have no idea if my mitochondria <laughs> is stronger. But I do know if, I, if my wrinkles are going away. So <laughs> exactly. So that's what motivates me. It's very crass, but true. So when, when we come back, though, I, I don't want to miss um, probably one of the biggest issues that are going on with children today. And I have a feeling, Dr. Terrellin, that you deal with it a lot. And that is we overcommit them. And I do want to discuss that. And also my, my issue of what if we don't get somebody who should be in the loop of being looked at? if they get marginalized and nobody does recognize that they have a real problem. So nobody leave us. We'll be right back. Full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da -da -da -da. Da -da -da -da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit. I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da, 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 da. 
And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Build, the Fountain of Truth. Uh, the housekeeping, very simple. We're having a big conference, four days for you, of what you can do from the biggest policymakers, geroscientists, and I mean it, academics all over the world. We have people from 15 countries speaking over four days, uh, all about what you can do to increase healthy longevity, not your, only your years, but the fact that you will be healthy during those years. And we saw what happened with COVID. We are not a healthy elder nation, period, the end. And we can be fairly easily. So uh, just go. It's free. Go to the metabesity2021.com website and register free. M-E-T-A-B-E-S-I-T-Y 2021.com. It's virtual. You don't have to go anywhere. All right. Now that you stayed with us and didn't go anywhere, let me reintroduce Dr. Terrellyn Sell, S-E-L-L. You'll find much more information because I know you want to follow up on everything she said at drterrellyn.com. But she also has a very robust social media network. So don't forget Facebook and, uh, and Twitter for Dr. Sell. And TikTok, now, too. And TikTok. <laughs> TikTok oh, yeah, there I you go. That's that, uh, Wow. See? Yeah. I don't know. I actually like TikTok, except I don't want to get into this. They're the ones that published OK Boomer. And OK oh, no. Boomer yeah. Yeah, said, all right, get, get rid of everybody my age because, you know, we're just dead wood. But all right, TikTok. Another one I won't get a sponsor. Now, uh, here we go. I'm worried about one thing, and again, quick personal. Everybody knows this, that I did lose a dad when I was 11. It was sudden. I went to school, came home. He was gone. It was that sudden. It was like an accident, although it was a cerebral hemorrhage. And we got nothing. Uh, nobody noticed that I was depressed. Nobody noticed that I cried every day. Nobody noticed that I was in another world. All they cared about was my grades. And my grades was very good. And so nobody helped. And years later, when my mom died at 92, I found a letter from my principal of my school. It was as cold as ice. We are so sorry to hear of the passing of your husband, signed the principal. And she was so, so in love with teachers and learning that she kept it all her life as a nice thing. And I frankly was outraged because I had fallen through the cracks. Now, uh, when we talk about taking the heat off grades, which is one of your tips, there's a part of that that resonates with me differently, which is uh, because they I got good grades, I was just picked over. Had I had crappy grades because I was depressed, maybe somebody would have paid attention. So I myself am confused as to are kids falling through the net here because they look okay at school? And others getting targeted just because they're a little bit in stress. What are you really seeing? What's the fountain of truth here about how kids can get swept up or ignored? I think that is the fountain of truth. That's pretty profound because you're 100%. If you comply in school and you get your homework done and you get good grades, you're rewarded for that or overlooked, right? But if you have a behavioral outburst, then something's wrong. Well, let's look at it this way. If you are perfectionist, right, and you get all these good grades, but they know something has happened to you or happening in your home, that's a good opportunity to check in because perfectionism leads to things like anxiety 
and maybe OCD type tendencies, right? So either end of that continuum is alarm bells ringing, in, in my opinion. Um, but because, you know, we have classroom sizes and that are larger and things like that, we want compliance. And so that's what we're graded on, essentially, right, is how right. well it's you, easier. You, don't, you don't disrupt the classroom. Sure. So everything is good here. But, you know, I, I think there are there are problems with that. And some of the things if you don't get my son is going to kill me when he hears all me talking about him on radio all the time. But I do. I use him as a great example because he was looked at in elementary school as um, ADHD. They Everyone thought he had ADHD. The teachers were pushing me to put him on medication. And I said, absolutely not. This is not ADHD. This only occurs in the school. It's not occurring at home. And it turned out that we you know, I'm an advocate. So I dug and dug and dug and I made all these appointments. Um, turned out he had a language processing issue that he wasn't reading at grade level at all and couldn't read. And um, that was causing all of his behaviors of procrastination and not wanting to comply and breakdowns and all these things, you know, so it's not always a mental health problem, you know, that the cause of it, um, but that's the end result, you know, is a mental health issue potentially. So it's really important for you to dig in even outside of mental health to make sure that it's not something different that you're not seeing. Because and I, and I go back now and I think, well, if we would have medicated him, he would still have a language processing disorder. Right. Um, exactly. But in, yeah. But instead, we got instead you got to the, to the like issue. That. Right. You exactly. got to the issue. So the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, that is how we diagnose mental health disorders, all that is is a constellation of behaviors, right? It's a list of things that this person would be doing or thinking or whatever, and then you can put a diagnosis on them. What it's not is, why is this happening? What It doesn't dig any deeper than that. It's just oh, this is the diagnosis. This is what we do from here forward. We never look back and say, well, what caused it? You know, in, in, your, in your case, probably trauma caused some of, some of the ADHD oh, for sure. type stuff you're talking about. Right. But that's, sure. not, that's not looked at. You know, it's like, what do we do from here forward? Well, I'm happy to say that some of this is changing, and I'm hoping it'll be a more horizontal change. Uh, one of the problems that we have, and the reason our conference, uh, Dr. Terrellin, is called metabesity, is obesity. Mm-hmm. And if you hear why people are obese, all you'll hear, even from the deepest science, is they eat more than they than, than their energy expends. That is not true. <laughs> uh, the fact is, it's like saying, you know, why are people tall? Oh, because they're taller than other people. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. It's the same thing. That list, as a psychotherapist, that list of behaviors is a list of behaviors. I mean, that's all it is. It doesn't help you. Uh, Now we're learning, actually, that obesity is a different thing altogether, and it it is genetic, and there could be changes in, in the genetics of it, which is why some people can eat exactly the same as their neighbor, and they won't be heavier, and the and the neighbor is heavier. It's the same so thing with tr- mental health. I mean, yeah. genetic codes are a big deal with mental health. And I'm so excited for that field to emerge because it does kind of tell you the why, 
You know, why is this happening? Um, So that's that's profound information there, too. So people need to look into that stuff. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the genetic code that like matches you with medication. There's that, too. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Right. And, and the fact is, we do believe that we can't change our genetics, which is why we think if your parents die early, we'll die early. If they live long, we'll live long. No, it's much more the, the uh, expression of our genes. And that mm-hmm. has to do with how we exercise, how we eat, uh, even the air we breathe. Environmentalism is all part mm-hmm. of living longer. Uh, but here, where where you're getting at is really the beginning. How you are mm-hmm. in school has so much to do with how you will be when you're 110. And, and we're very excited to break silos here and to bring in topics, and they all so much relate. So we'll leave here. We overcommitted. Uh, we don't have enough time to finish everything, but I do want to get in that last tip that Dr. Terrellin take a look at her on social media, TikTok, and uh, Facebook, and Twitter, dot com for more information. And the last one, which we don't have time for because we overcommitted, is don't overcommit. Uh, the business of our culture is to be busy. It starts when we're very little. And if you are retired, you know that if you're not doing a lot, it's shameful. You're supposed mm-hmm. to make a big list of what you're doing and tell people how yes. busy you are. And the new word is, oh, I don't even know how I had time to work. I'm so busy. So... Yeah, uh, it, it's it's endemic to our culture. But I want to thank you so much for, for being with us. And I uh, hope that we, you'll be on the show again and we'll do more of this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Okay. And for everybody else, we're almost lifted with COVID in many areas. So get out there, kids, and make it happen. I'm inappropriate.